Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood, tips and tricks, products we love, and brands that we can't live without. Let's get into it. So, <laughs> hello, mate. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I had a really nice weekend. Obviously, like we keep, we keep getting blessed with this really nice weather. How lucky I are know, we? I know. It makes such a difference, And when, it? when I got back from work on Sunday, Dozo had already had two gin and tonics and a beer. <laughs> he was like <laughs> drinking whilst parenting. Excellent. And um, so I just got stuck in and we had like a bit of an afternoon in the garden. We had the paddling pool out. We had the tunes on. We were dancing. It was amazing. It just felt oh. like... A oh, little bit so of freedom. Nice. And the kids yeah. were so much, they were choosing all of their favourite songs on the Alexa. And it turned into a bit of like a garden, part, like a house party. It was fun. Yeah, we've toddlered. It's fun. Yeah, it was really nice, actually. We just, um, James is loads better now. So we're sort of just getting back to normal again, which is good. Um, so he's, you know, like up and about and doing stuff again, which is it has been so nice for me because it means I haven't just been stuck with the kids on my own. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't really get that weekend thing. I know you do because obviously you get to go to work for those two days at the weekend. So it was just like any other, you know, couple any of other days. Day. Really. <laughs> yeah. Um, I managed into lockdown now. Yeah, I know. It's, it's nuts. But I'm actually starting to feel a bit scared. Like when they're like, oh, you know, three weeks and then there's rumours going around that schools might open mid-May. I'm like, oh. <gasps> Well, I've got to go back to getting up and out of the house by whatever time and then I've got to rush to school I don't think I'm up for it yeah also just the outfits like I, I literally yeah. spend every single day with my lycra and a hoodie on or a vest top yeah. and I'm gonna actually have to like you know put, put makeup on and, and get into my jeans again yeah I mean I, I've worn I think I've been dressed once in what six weeks <laughs> like actually dressed like with normal clothes on once in six weeks I have not put makeup on for six weeks, not a scrap. I caught myself in the mirror the other day and I looked at my face. My um, pigmentation's come back really badly because... I'm having to take some hormone, um, some hormone tablets at the moment, so it's really coming out. And obviously, the sun and stuff. I looked at my face and I was like, grey hair. You could see my tash. hadn't hadn't plucked my eyebrows. I was like, no wonder I'm not leaving the house. Thank God I'm not leaving the house. I know, don't. I know that's what I'm scared for. I'm like, all the maintenance again. I'm like, I don't think I'm up for it. That's why I can cope with it, actually. I, think, I hope they ease us in gradually anyway. You know, like, well, you can go out for one day a week. I think, oh, yeah, okay. Get my head around getting dressed once. That's fine. And that's then fine. next week, two days. Um, but, yeah. 
I was thinking about um, what people are doing at home with their like DIY home beauty. Like how bad has it got? Because you're hearing a lot of um, couples are like cutting each other's hair. Yes. And you saw the other day, Eddie was bleaching, like doing her highlights with like a cap and pulling the the, the pieces of hair through. And I was like, there's no way in the world I'd let Dodds do that to me. Oh my God, absolutely not. I mean, I'm fine. You know, like I'll let the roots grow out, but I am going to message my hairdresser like the second the appointment is <laughs> reopened. I am in there. I mean, yeah, surely yeah. blondes have got to take priority. Blondes <laughs> have got to take priority. Blondes' roots are so much worse than anyone else's. <laughs> Let's get into the chat today. Um, this is a conversation that you and I had before lockdown. So a couple of months yes. back um, with... Um, just one of the most amazing people um I'd actually met him previously because he works in telly as well um and he started off on Blue Peter and then he moved over to Sky and then he had one of the worst things ever to happen to him uh, to happen to anybody in their lives he his partner his wife died um and so we but it has a happy ending doesn't it and we really wanted to kind of um get him on to tell us his story on how he navigated that grief whilst also trying to raise his son so today we're chatting to Simon Thomas So one of the things that we wanted to do in Series 4 was to get a whole host of really amazing dads in the room. um, Oh, Christ. No. (laughs) The man sitting opposite us today is one of the best out there. And he's been through a hell of a journey the last two and a half years. Uh, Obviously, um, a Sky broadcaster, not doing it anymore, but that's where he kind of honed his craft as a presenter. Um, He has a blog. He's father to Ethan, who is now 10. He is, yeah. He is. Um, It's Simon Thomas. Hello. Simon, Hello. welcome. Lovely to be here. It's really, really great to have it's you in. It's a lovely studio, by the way. Do you like it? Yeah, love it. Yeah, tea, biscuits. Feel very at home. <laughs> <laughs> so you should. Um, now, Simon, this episode, we really wanted to obviously talk to you about your situation going on at the moment with the fact that you obviously very, very sadly lost your wife yeah. two and a half years ago. Mm. Um, so we don't want the episode to be about that and the, yeah. the time of grief. We want yeah, you yeah. to kind of talk about your life as a single parent. Mm-hmm. But could you just kind of fill fill us in on what happened? So very briefly, um, it was November 2017. I mean, everything was, was good family-wise. I mean, a separate thing, which was quite big for me at the time I was going through, some quite pronounced mental health problems. So I was having anxiety, panic attacks, depression. So I'd, I'd come away from Sky. While that was happening, Gemma was beginning to complain of headaches that became very regular, very elongated. This was only over the space of about two to three weeks and three trips to the doctors, three times told to go home and rest, um, but then got very, very bad fatigue. So we went to A&E in Reading on a Monday night in the early hours of Tuesday. She was diagnosed with blood cancer, didn't know which one then get transferred to a specialist hospital in Oxford where she's diagnosed on a Tuesday afternoon with what's known as acute myeloid leukaemia which is thankfully it's a very rare form of blood cancer affects around about 3,000 in the UK but for those it does affect it's absolutely devastating um, but the complication she had it is thankfully quite rare um, and she developed this very bad bleeding within her brain by the Friday so three days from diagnosis she had died by the evening of the Friday so very very rapid no time to prepare no time for conversations about life and particularly mm. no time for conversations about Ethan and yeah. bringing him up without a without a mum so it was just launched on on us very very rapidly and yeah it was a um, can I swear yeah, yeah of course yeah. yeah it was horrendously shit that's as strong as I'll go yeah yeah. And, and and during that week, how honest were you with Ethan about what was going on? 
Um, I was kind of steered by her consultant a little bit because I had no time for reading books or ringing counsellors or anything like that. Um, and on the morning that the doctor sat down with me after she'd fallen unconscious and said the, the news that, that she wasn't going to wake up again and had hours, I said, well, what do I do? What's, what, what's mm. best to do with Ethan? He came to see her on the Wednesday, obviously knew she was ill, didn't know the severity of it. We hadn't mentioned the big C word at this point. Um but then you're dealing with hours, so you've, you've got to react. What do you do? And his advice was he's at an age, so he was eight at the time, he's at an age where in the years to come you don't necessarily need to tell him everything about what's happening, but in the years to come he'll thank you for the fact that he was able to go and see mum one last time. And yeah. actually, even now, two and a half years on, I know that that was an important moment for mm-hmm. him. And I never said that mum is is going, but I said she's very, very seriously ill. And so he came in to see her twice in that day and then and then headed home. And then, of course, later that evening, I had to tell him the worst news ever. So he, he was kind of very aware of it. And when we got to the funeral, you know, I chatted with kids counsellors about that, what, what kind of level of information do you need to give them you know an eight-year-old they're at that age where they will just keep asking questions so she Mm -hmm. said to me be prepared when you start talking about the service and then you start talking about the wake and then you start talking about the crematorium and all that he'll want to know yeah every time probably what's going to happen next and that's that's a horror it's a bad enough conversation to have with an adult yeah of course but with an eight-year-old kid you don't want to be kind of busting his world with details on what a crematorium is but we went there and actually i'm, I'm glad we did not a conversation you ever ever want to have with your kid but if it comes you'll look back and be glad actually you had that conversation in the years to come I mean, your whole life at that point is turned upside down because all of your dreams and everything that you had attached to yes. the relationship and having yeah. your son and everything, mm. you expect to do it together as a team, yeah, two of you. Of so you, you then wake up as a single parent, mm. as a widow, mm. you know, it's it's horrendous for you. So mm. how do you even start piecing your life back together just being solo dad? Um, I think in the first weeks it was the the love of friends and family that, that kind of got us through. Um, but I, I think having a, a child is the the biggest driver of you taking life on again and, and getting out of bed every morning he was back at school a week later wow. well and, and how was it for you going to school that first that first one was horrendous and yeah. not not because of anyone at the school but it it just was and there might be people listening oh, goodness me that's very quick to go back but the, the reason was and I, I was very reluctant for him to go back I didn't want time away from him I wanted him as close you know we, we decamp so we've got, we've got this lovely farmhouse that we live in in, in Reading right by the Thames and uh, we've got kind of three floors so um, the top floor are two guest rooms in the attic and so we decamped up there I didn't return to to my room as an alcoholic or our room for, for six months really and, and Ethan was kind of I made a sort of camp area at the end of my bed and we we slept in the same room for six months I just didn't want him apart oh, that's yeah. so lovely and it was really hard him going back to school because I just oh, I don't want six hours without him and I worry about how he's going to be but the the kids counsellors and they're, they're amazingly wise it was Daisy's dream with the charity we were dealing with in Berkshire they just said he needs to go back because at the moment his life will feel like everything that he knew as life is disappearing 
and school is a, a, a foundation stone within his life. So yeah. if that goes as well, if you take him out of school for six, seven weeks or he doesn't go back before Christmas, he's going to think, everything I knew as life now is disappearing. So what is my life anymore? So she said, mm. you need to put those foundation stones back in. In the lodge, of course, everything is now different. And yeah, walking in that, that first, it was a Friday and his school were amazing. You know, his teacher and his headmaster came round on the on the Thursday. His, his class had written this amazing kind of where they put together this book just of letters from every single kid in this class it was basically slightly emotional to talk about because I can picture some of them just like we miss you we're so sorry you know these are eight year old kids they haven't gone through something like this yet they had this amazing empathy for him yeah um, and yeah it was it was a very surreal walk because you walk back in and, and you're dealing with kind of two things one is you're dealing with people who don't know how to deal with you yeah they, mm. they don't they're like what because I, I think what it is what i've learned with with kind of grief is that we're all going to go through it at some point unless you check out early <laughs> hopefully no one listening will but we're going to lose a parent at some stage if the natural order of things happens then we know that at some point we will deal with the loss of a parent that's hugely painful but if a parent has had um a long life a good life we have a reference point we we expect it and therefore we know how to vocalize it i'm you know i'm so sorry to hear about your mum but well, you know what an amazing life she had you know yeah. what a great innings and all the kind of phrases we attach to a long life when something like this happens and it's tragic a life's cut short a child loses mum what the hell do you say and there yeah. were some who literally as i walked in were kind of you could see them sort of swerving to the other side where and but others just came up and gave me a hug those who didn't know what to say or how to vocalize how they were feeling were just lay a hand on my shoulder and in that moment that was enough that was enough because they were acknowledging it in their way and yeah it was, it was very bizarre because then you sort of stood in the sort of waiting area by the playground for the gate to open and around you is, is the hubbub of normal life yeah and that's the biggest challenge I think for anybody who goes through bereavement is that is accepting and it does take a while accepting that whatever has just happened in your life however big it is and however transformational it is and however much life just feels completely different everything carries on around you so it's an amazing feeling that actually mm. isn't it and yeah. i can only relate to it yeah. when i lost my dad very suddenly and, and you know he was 70 but that for me was wasn't long enough i felt yeah. like i'd missed out on yeah, it yeah. and when i remember coming back into london kind of a couple of weeks afterwards and i i felt like i had this like sign above my head saying my dad's just died but everybody around me was laughing they don't see it. there was noise and, yeah. and i was like this that it was quite a sort of wake-up call that life just carries on and mm. you, yeah. ha you have to deal with the new norm yourself yeah 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 it's a it's, it's a very weird concept yeah mm. and you're obviously having to parent through that grief so mm. your, your your priority is looking after ethan but you've lost your soulmate you've mm. lost your best friend your wife so that personal grief must have been huge for you yeah you're dealing with kind of multi-layered grief you're dealing with obviously the the loss of your wife uh you're mourning the lost years that she should have had seeing her boy grow up you're mourning the lost years for him and you're also mourning the fact that his life has now changed yeah. Um, in a way that you wouldn't want it to change at the age of eight. So there's lots of different things you're dealing with. And then you, as, as time goes on, you you have to deal with mourning the loss of identity because I, I, I felt I had no other choice but to step away from Sky. And, you know, we were, 
I think blessing sounds like the, the wrong kind of word, but I always feel I need to explain this because I've had enough comments on social media saying it's all right for you. But, you know, we had life insurance for both of us because, you know, you know the world of broadcasting. Yep. Yeah. There's not many staff jobs out there. It's freelance, you know, and so you need to put things in place for the day which you hope won't come when you can't work. If you get ill yourself and we thankfully put it in place for both of us and it meant that obviously there was a payout that gave me the financial stability and security to be able to step away from Sky but you're, you're dealing with the loss of identity like, sure. well, who am I anymore yes I have the most amazing wondrous important job of all Ethan's dad mm. but who am I beyond that no I get it and yeah. when people would say to me and still do well, what do you do now I mean obviously I've, I've start my own podcast I want to get back into broadcasting but right now beyond that I don't have an awful lot to say I've written a book I'm not kind of minimalizing that but yeah you, no, you, you mourn that kind of well who, who am I yep. anymore um, yeah. what, what am I about and so obviously you've gone from a two-parent household to yes. a one-parent household yeah. did you used to get involved before obviously the tragedy happened did you used to get involved in the day-to-day stuff like picking up dropping to school doing the lunch all of that kind of stuff or did it all come as like a new thing to you no I did I did quite a bit of it and I I think the reason why one is that I was very fortunate in that the way work life yeah happened with Sky is that you know in the in the week I would quite often have maybe a couple of evening games but my main Premier League game was always the Saturday lunchtime so I was I was around a lot in the um, in the day, you know, when when he was, I used to get him up, uh, and then Jem would often take him to school. Sometimes I would, um, and quite often around in the evenings, you know. So I was very very lucky. I had what a lot of parents don't necessarily have, but also because we were unable to have any more kids, so we wanted a brother or sister for Ethan. But Gemma, we found out as we went down the path of trying for a number two, had a very serious fertility problem that meant oh, chances right. of conceiving okay. naturally were were close to zero. So we trod the IVF route twice. Uh, first time didn't work. Second time did work, but then she miscarried only a month later. So we'd had to deal with that huge disappointment of mm-hmm. no more kids. But I think what it did is is once we came out of the kind of fog of that period, uh, and for me it lasted too long, but once we'd emerged from that, you just thought, we've got this amazing boy actually looking at what she had. He's in some ways a bit of a miracle. Did you yeah. find that period really hard? Because you just, you just, there was a throwaway comment there. Horrendous. You, the the, the fog yeah. was too long for you, so it really yeah, yeah. hit you hard mm. that you couldn't have any more children. Yeah, because I think as a guy, you want to sort a typical guy reaction. I want to sort this out. Let's throw some more money at it. Yeah. But money doesn't doesn't help you when you're dealing with emotional problems, mm. and it's it's yes, it's really really hard for a lot of people. And I think the social media age doesn't help because obviously people put out very very kind of tailored versions of their life. And your perception is is that everybody else, and you don't just need social media. Sometimes you can just see it because there's a bump, or <laughs> there happens to be another kid in the in the pushchair or whatever. But you you kind of have this image that everyone else is absolutely fine on this point. And I often say that it felt like other friends and family were popping out kids like a cash dispenser pops out ten pound notes. Yeah, probably for some of them that wasn't the truth yeah. actually and having had conversations in in the years since but I, I got very angry and bitter that I couldn't sort this out I desperately wanted a brother or sister relief and I didn't want him to grow up on his own mm-hmm. um, and that was kind of my first bout of depression I stayed in the kind of dark place the cave of anger for too long and then began to really dive but didn't come away from work that time but you know what, what I, I think it did as we emerge from that, as I emerge from it, and men and women deal with it very differently, I kind of isolated myself. Gemma lent into friends and cried and talked with them. 
But I think once that fog dissipated, then you just go, what an amazing gift <laughs> this kid yep. is. Yeah. But also you rinse out every moment. So, when, so the, the year, I think it's year two at his school, uh, that's the year that when they do the nativity, they get a speaking part. This is the only year where they guaranteed a speaking part. We went to every showing. you're here again yeah because we're only going to get to do this once yeah there's lots of parents there with two three kids they're they're gonna obviously they'll only see that child once in that but then they've got it to look forward to the year after maybe the year after that we only got one shot of everything so i think that made you think right i'm going to rinse out when these moments come And, and i remember so we're gonna have a slight tangent here i remember a summer before last and i was a bit i was a bit slightly preachy mode but a mum on the day they broke up for the, for the summer holidays, she'd clearly been on that website called timeanddate.com where you can put in a date and another date and it'll work out to the nearest millisecond that the, the length of time between the two dates. Right. She'd obviously put in the start of the summer holidays, two o'clock on whatever day it was in July, <laughs> and the day they go back in September. And she put on Facebook only six weeks, something days, something hours till they go back. Can't wait. Oh my God, wow. <laughs> I looked at him and thought, oh, I feel really sad reading that. And I couldn't resist. So I just I just put on it and I said, look, uh, I get, I get, you know, I was feeling the same thing. I was like, six weeks. Yeah, what can I do with him for yeah. six weeks? And ostensibly on my own. But I looked, also looked at him and thought, but that's really sad. And I, I actually said to her, I said, I said, I won't say her name, but I said, one day, one day you'll look back on this period and you'll wish you had one more summer holiday with them. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I know it's hard, but try and enjoy it. And she went, you're so right. Deleted post. Oh, <laughs> yeah, well done. The thing is, though, it's so easy to say that. Like, even half term's just been. I was like, oh, gosh, it's half term. It's yeah, just yeah. Ju- come up upon me and I'm, you know, trying to juggle everything. But then it's over and you're like, oh, mm. oh, OK. So now we can't do anything because it's yeah. back to school. Again. I always miss him when he goes back. Yeah, I, yeah. I dread him going back more than he does, I think. Because <laughs> I miss my mate. Just yeah, enjoy hanging out with him. Yeah, you know? Luna woke up this morning and she was like, "It's a school day." <laughs> she's only at preschool, but she tells everyone she's at big school. Oh yeah, same uh, exact. Yeah, so yeah. We call it school, school, but it's preschool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she was just desperate to go back. She was like, "It's not a Lucy day." That's the lovely girl who looks after the free day. Uh, okay. It's not a mummy day. It's a school day. I was like, "Yeah, off you go out the door." So it's not you know yeah. they love they yeah. love it too. Yeah. Um. So single dad. So what was the the, the hardest part for you after after losing your wife? Um. Because w- my husband will always say that. Obviously, him and his ex split up. He yeah. then had Isla half the time, mm. and he was going to play groups. Mm. Obviously, different stage yeah. for you, but yeah. people were looking at him and going, "Oh, no, no, not including him and stuff." And mm. he'd be the only man walking into a room yes. full of women, and yeah. Yeah. It, he really felt it. Yeah. Um, so, for you, what, what were the struggles? I think one of the challenges was, I think people it wasn't necessarily didn't trust me, but didn't think I could hack it, and I I, I prioritized him from from the off and was always wanting to be very open with him about how I was feeling, my emotions, and giving him permission to be very open about his. That was one of the biggest challenges as so many big questions came in the very early weeks. And that room that I talked about when we used to to sort of sit there and I sometimes used to lie next to him in the morning and wait for him to wake up. And um, that period, he had some big questions like big like I remember literally I think it was less than a week after his mum dies and I was lying next to him and he wakes up and he said daddy I said yeah he said what are we going to do with mummy's clothes wow and I was like oh my goodness A I hadn't even thought about that yeah. B I didn't want to think about it but what I learnt 
on mornings like that and going forward is that it's really important to go there with them when those questions come. The the immediate response is often going to be let's I don't want to talk about that right now. Why are you asking that? We're not we're not going there. Mm-hmm. But I learned that actually it's important you do go there. So I'd have those conversations with him. I remember one night putting him to bed and he said, Daddy, I said, yep. He said, you could die tonight. And I went, oh, don't be so silly. But of course he comes back and says, yeah, but yeah. mum died really quickly. So why why not? And straight away I'm thinking, yeah, this is important. This is a fear. This is an anxiety he's got. So I then explained, well, look, we learned as time went on that actually mummy was ill for a lot longer. And not many people pass away that quickly. I said, I feel fine tonight. You know, I don't feel ill. So I think I'll be okay. As a parent, and it's one of the things the kids counsellors said to me very early on, and it's a, it's a hard thing to take on board, but it's true. You cannot promise kids things that simply aren't true. So yeah. that, that line, I'll always be there for you, isn't true. Because you won't, not necessarily will yeah. always be there for them. And you want to say it to reassure them. But you'd say things like, I'm going to walk with you for as long as I possibly can. And yeah, he was talking about marriage within 10 he, days. He was yeah. talking about you getting married. Yeah, on the way back from school, um, Gemma's mum was on the back seat. Granny was on the back seat. And uh, we were just driving home. And he said, Daddy, I went, yeah. And it was always that tone. I was like, here we go, questions, right, stand by, <laughs> get ready. And he said, do you, um, do you think you'll get married again one day? Oh. And again, your initial thought is... What are, you, what are you on about? I was talking about this. And I remember looking in the rearview mirror and seeing his granny's sort of look like, good luck. But we talked about it. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, because actually what it was, and I maybe didn't realise this at the time, but looking back at it, is it's an eight-year-old trying to work out what is life going to look like going forward? Yeah. How is it going to be different? I already know that it's massively different, but are some of the things that I had before going to be there again family life a kind of structure of a a mother figure again in my life yeah. yes and so he was trying to make sense of it and so the the temptations to shut them down go ridiculous question we're not talking about it crank the radio up but i learned that it's really important because i'd say to any parent and it's not just about grief it's you know a lot awful lot of parents are dealing with kids who are struggling with anxiety or whatever it might be is when those difficult questions come keep the door open the temptation is to shut it and go i can't deal with this i'm not going there but actually every time you close down a conversation every time a question comes and listen you won't always have the answers but if you won't go there with them you eventually shut the door and they go well i'm not going to ask mum or Mm. dad a question anymore because he never she never wants to answer so we'll be back right after this Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Baffled, a brand new podcast bringing you some amazing facts that are complete nonsense. Imagine the likes that that would get on Instagram, you having a quick one up a lamppost on the moon. Incredible. So you basically saying the reason the dinosaurs stopped living is because they all collectively made a decision to have no more children. I think until 10 years ago, I, I still shared the bathwater that my parents were in. You can find us wherever you got this podcast. Just search for Baffled Amazing Facts. Now, where were we? Both Georgia and I have that kind of openness in the mm. households yeah. that we run. Yeah. I think it's really important. I grew up in that in yeah. that household, so did Georgia. Yeah. Um, but a lot of questions come in at, at what age do you start talking to your mm. children about certain subjects mm. like, you know, periods yeah. or, um, I don't know, boyfriends and girlfriends, yeah. kissing, um, I don't know, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, at yeah. what point is the right moment mm. to say, Let, let's have this conversation? Mm. And I think what you're saying is actually kids need to know. Mm. They have to be armed with the information. Yeah. You can't keep saying to them. Oh no, we'll talk or about it another time. Like or give them like a silly story. Silly story. Yeah, yeah exactly. Is, is, so, do you think it's changed every aspect of your parenting in that kind of space that you'll talk about anything? You guys can discuss anything. Yeah, but it has changed. It's quite interesting watching how. And it, listen, grief is a very individual journey. Um, so you can't say just because this is the way Ethan was. Therefore, if someone listening to this has gone through it, therefore their child should be doing this as well. But what tended to happen with him is that that period of multitudes of different questions and that openness and that honesty with each other has changed over time. Because what then comes into play is that for him, his biggest anxiety is you. He knows that in terms of his immediate family, I'm it. Yeah. yeah. If I go, I hate to use this word, but it's true. He's an orphan. Right. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and so he wants to protect you. So as time went on, he wouldn't ask the questions so much. And if he was seeing his child counsellor on, on a given week, and I say, well, all right, what happened with Colin this week? What'd you do? He wasn't so open as he was. And initially I struggled. I was like, oh, for goodness, oh, I, just, I miss this openness. Where's yeah. it gone? Yeah. And yeah. I put pressure on him. Like, come on, Ethan, you can tell me what, what happened. No, I don't, I'm not happy with you just saying we blew up balloons. I want to, you know, what, what was the point behind the blowing up of the balloons or, or modelling that clay with, with your counsellor? But I learned that actually that's because this is his protectiveness he wants to protect me from worrying and actually you are kind of like a you're the kind of steering wheel in terms of where he's at mentally if I'm happy he's happy Mm. if I'm stressed he feels stressed if I get worried he gets worried and you know he's like he's like little chirps away in the car if I get stressed in the drive he says calm down daddy (laughs) They they become they almost start to feel a little bit of the shoes left by the mum who's gone yeah it's a weird one but they but they do and when he asked you about remarrying what did you say to him i said um i haven't really thought about that ethan to be honest but i think i said i don't i know that daddy's not really good at doing life on his own i don't think mummy would want me to spend the rest of my life on my own so maybe i said i'm getting on a bit now so i might not find anybody but maybe one day i will so i didn't say no and i didn't say yes because i don't want to promise him say yes absolutely (laughs) and also didn't want to say no because i didn't want him to then think that's massive from you yeah Yeah. it's huge from you because in in, what 10 days after you lose 
you lose your mm, partner, yeah. your life partner. You're talking about, you know, it, it, that's amazing because yeah. actually probably most people's reaction would be, I can't talk about this right no, now. You know, shut no, up, yeah. what are you talking yeah, about? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But this need, leads on nicely actually mm. to where you are in yes. your life now because yeah. you have met somebody else. I have. So can we talk about her? Of course we can. So just <laughs> tell us how you guys met and how that was for you falling in love again. Well, just one of those moments we just feel that immediate connection with someone. Like I feel like I've known her for yeah. forever, but I've known her five minutes. And we started hanging out a bit and then came the moment to meet Ethan. Yeah, and, and I did was you gonna say, yeah. Mm. Did you think did you think about how you was gonna do that? Did you tell him where you were going when you were meeting her? Not initially, no, because I thought if, if if she never wants to see me again, I don't I don't <laughs> he doesn't need to know. Um but as the time came to meet, yeah, I, I know uh, it's another area of life I've been very, very honest and open with him about because he's he's part of me, he's my boy. And I want him to listen. It doesn't mean he he's privy to everything that goes on in my life, but it's important he feels part of it. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and so I did say, look, I've you know I've met this this girl. And I'd like you to meet her. So I brought brought her around one evening. And how was he? Uh, um, he was very very open. Um, I mean, uh, he got used to our house being a little bit like a revolving door. We had it's a very weird period after it all happened. Like uh, lovely, but weird. And that lots of people who I hadn't sort of seen or heard from in a long time want to come and see you. Yeah and hang out with you and take you for lunch. And it was lovely in lots of ways because it kept me kind of busy. But looking back, it's weird because you kind of really heard from them since. It was, I don't know, it's like, I don't know whether they were coming to pay their respects or something. I don't know. Just bringing love. Yeah, yeah maybe just, it was yeah. just that. But Supporting. Ethan kind of got used to people being around. Um, but they just hit it off. And they've just got the the most special relationships because my whole, my life can't be all about him. I've sometimes got to put myself first. So if he'd struggle with her, but I really loved her, then we'd have to find a way to make it work. But I've mm. never had to worry about that. She, she's never been a mum herself. You know, she's she's not been in this situation before, but they just had this kind of immediate connection. And the relationship that's kind of blossomed between the two of them is just, it's been amazing to watch. And I'm just, I just feel incredibly blessed and privileged and very lucky that I've met someone as amazing as her. And alongside that I've got someone who's just become this huge figure for my boy and and we don't live together at the moment because she works in St Albans I'm based in Reading so we see each other you know weekends and occasionally in the week and you know he really misses her when she's not around you know and she misses him and I miss her so you know she's she's a one-off she's a total one-off have there been because obviously for her, mm. she's suddenly become a step parent. Yes, really. And have and there you been, know about this? And I do know yeah. about this firsthand because yeah. I've been, I've been her, mm. and she, you know, it, it, I've been the new person on the scene that has been introduced to her. Obviously, Isla was, I don't know, fourteen months old, I think, mm. so slightly different age, but still, you know, you yeah. you, you feel yeah. the heavy responsibility of suddenly having to love and take care of somebody else's mm. child. So, has anything come up for her? And have you guys been kind of open about all of that? Because it is a big deal being a step mum. Yeah, and I think it's it's a big deal as well when it's within the context of this kind of story. It's mm. not in any way diminishing yeah. your experience, but yep. but I think it's it's a situation that that nobody chose for Gemma to die at the age of forty. Yeah, you know, so Darina comes into this this place where you know no one had wanted this to happen, and so there's that that kind of comparison. Yeah. Well, I can I can never live up to the, to this person, and I and I do think, and I I'm I'm not saying this in any way, shape, or form to lessen who Gemma was as a person, but I, I do think when anybody dies, they 
they kind of get deified. Oh, they almost absolutely. become this, this impossible figure yes. to live up to. Yeah, yeah, of course. And so Dorina has, you know, at times, understandably struggled with that. Well, I can never be as good as Gemma. I'm never going to be good enough cook. I'm never going to be this. I'm not. And I always try and say to her and encourage her to say, all I need you to be is you. Mm-hmm. That's the person I've fallen in love with. That's the person Ethan loves being alongside. And, you know, that that is... It's it's a big struggle. There was a I, I know you you've seen this and that there was an amazing documentary if people listening haven't seen it and hopefully it's still on iPlayer. But there was um, a brilliant documentary with Rio Ferdinand who'd done the Being Mum and Dad documentary a few mm-hmm. years before when he lost his his wife. And Kate has come into his life and Kate has now married him and you know he's got three kids. It's a slightly different situation, but at the heart, still the same story. Yeah, absolutely. And. Dream was watching it at home in St Albans. I was watching it in Reading. And do you know what? It's just, it was so good to watch that, to hear, for Darina to know that she's not going mad, that actually some of the things she's felt about second best and never been good enough and I shouldn't be here and all those kind of things, to hear someone else vocalising that in the way Kate did so honestly reassured her massively. It helped me understand in a, in a much fuller way what it's been like for Dorina because it's like with anything in life, when we go through stuff, if we've never been through it, you'll never fully understand it because you can't walk in that person's shoes. Yeah. Um, but it, it was it was just amazing to watch. And I was chatting to Ethan about it because we were talked about, you know, going forward, what's he what's he gonna call Dorina long term if we, you know, if we continue as a as a three. And I said to him, what would you call Doreen? And he said, oh, I don't know. And Doreen's surname's Jeb. You know, maybe, maybe just sort of Jebby or something like that. I, said, <laughs> I love that. I love it. And anyway, that night, um, I just thought, I'm going to see if he wants to watch it, the, the Rio Kate documentary. And I, I explained to him what it was. And I said, I think this might give you an understanding of both feeling kind of comforted knowing that other families have gone through something similar, but also understanding what this has been like for Doreen. So he sat there and he absolutely was glued to the screen for an hour and about 10 minutes before the end because it was the day before Valentine's Day he said daddy can have some cards he got some card and he drew this and wrote this Valentine's card to Dorina and in it he said look I know I know you're not my real mum but then wrote this amazing words about what she means to him and then he wrote on the left hand side and he said "Um, I want you to be my mum Wow, which is incredible. It still makes me quite emotional. But it was it was an incredible moment, and it wasn't something I said. You need to say that. I would never say you must call her mm. a different name. It's totally up to you what you say going forward. And to see him write those words, and you know, great, and also reassuring for her to understand that that's that's how big a figure she is in his life. Yeah. And how have your families? Oh. Um, responded to Darina coming in my my family have been actually they've all been amazing I, I think it's been it's been harder for probably Gemma's sister yes, yes. Um, but I, I think what when, when Darina has understandably struggled with this what what I try and say and, and others try and say is it, this is not about you yeah it's not about who you are because you know everybody who's met her has said the same thing what, an, what a lovely what a lovely person she is you can't not like her but but I think it's the situation is for you know Gemma's sister a reminder of what's gone mm. and also a reminder that life is changing and Simon and Ethan are heading in a different direction. It's not that we're leaving her behind, but she can feel that kind of 
sense in which we're heading in a different direction that probably that fear that well I won't really be part of the family anymore but she'll always be Ethan's auntie and yeah mm. and Gemma's mum who has been amazing with Dorina and has welcomed her with open arms has been a, a great source of encouragement for her and has always said to you just need to be you and it's been a real source of comfort for Wendy Gemma's mum in that she's been honest enough to say that was one thing she worried about the day I met someone how would they be with her grandson it's probably yeah. the only thing yeah. she was thinking yeah. about really. and, and ultimately that is down that's my responsibility mm-hmm. you know who I choose is my business and actually nobody else's but they're going to look out for Ethan obviously and it's been a huge source of comfort just to see her grandson having this amazing relationship mm. with with Dorina and it's so it's I, I'm very aware that for others and there may be people listening to this who've walked a similar path for whom meeting someone new has been quite divisive it can be it can be really divisive but I think people have to understand that there's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy again and yeah. you shouldn't be delivered a life sentence of evermore being lonely and miserable you know I, for the biggest thing for me in terms of going forward has been wanting to embrace life again because that's so important for me but also for, for Ethan I don't to want see you happy. a second yeah. best life and as yeah. you said before when you're stressed he's stressed yes. so surely when you're happy mm. he's happy yeah. so it's great for everybody yeah and I try and say that to Doreen is that, is that she doesn't see the Ethan when she's not around obviously and I do say to her, you know, he's not like he's miserable when you're not around, but there's a marked change in when you're here. The laughter begins to fill the house again. The smile is much more evident than it, than it is when it's just the two of us. But, he, you know, he he's not doesn't say it as much anymore, but he's always said, I don't I don't like it when it's just the two of us. Yeah. It's a big old house. But also just the maternal energy mm. around him. Yeah. There's going to be moments, you know, during the rest of his life where mm. he'll be able to go to Darina and talk yeah. to her about things that necessarily well, he, he does not come to you yeah. about first off. And that yeah. actually that step parent, step child relationship can be so, so special. Mm. Yeah. But it's slightly different in your scenario because you've mm. obviously that person's not here any longer. Yeah. But so maybe you know, fighting against the ghosts and all that, it's actually not about that. It's about those two people forming a special relationship, yeah. that special bond yeah. which will go on and on and on and on. Exactly. And you know, it, the house has been hard for her yeah. as well and it, you know yes. I'm, it's on the market at the moment trying to sell it because we need our own place yeah. our own kind of we're writing a new chapter already but a, you know a chapter that's not anchored in in the past and it you know it has been hard for her coming into a house where she knows that was was our family house and that was Gemma's kitchen and yeah. and all those kind of things so it's really important that we we start a new chapter somewhere else but again that was something that we wanted to do together the three of us so we sat down went out one Saturday afternoon and drew one of those Venn diagrams three circles and we each wrote down what was the most important thing to us in terms of where we live and Doreen wrote hers I wrote mine and Ethan wrote his and that makes him feel part of it we're not imposing this on him we're not saying Ethan we are moving yeah but we're just saying to him look we are going to move but let's talk about it what are the kind of things important for you what worries do you have about moving schools and you know having to make new friends and all those kind of things but it's so important not just if you've been through something like this just in parenting as a whole that you 
you keep your kids part of every conversation. It's not that you're giving them the right to decide on things, but I think including them on big things like moving or whatever it might be, or daddy or mummy changing jobs. It's not saying that you're going to decide whether I take this new job, but just say, look, yeah. let's let's talk about it. Daddy and mummy might be changing job. How do you feel about that? I might be traveling more, so I might not be around quite as much as I have been. How do you feel about that? Yeah. I think it's really important so he knows that he's very much part of going forward and the plans and, and he feels happier because of that i guess it's them learning to understand the process to yes. making decisions yeah. isn't it yeah. so if you're if you include them in decision making they then learn how to make decisions themselves because exactly. they've been through the process yeah, yeah. um i really do about it like that respect yeah. the way you're doing this mm. I'm, I'm like in awe of you actually i'm, well, I'm not that sitting, good no you are <laughs> i think he is yeah you? i do um, two more questions yes. first one are you going to have any more kids Oh, that's a, that's a that's an Ethan question. <laughs> well, there you go. I'm channeling my inner Ethan today. Um, I, I I would love to. I mean, he would listen. He's going to be quite a bit older than them. I know that, but I would I'd love for him to have a brother or sister. Yeah. Do, yeah. But I, do you know only because I used to sometimes think. Um, you know, my dad's not in the best of health now, and he's in a home, and all of my family, my two sisters, my mum, my dad live back in Norfolk. That's where I'm originally from. So. Mm-hmm. It's hard getting up there to see him as much as I wish I could. Um, but I'm I'm kind of comfortable in the fact that I know that my two sisters, Becky and Hannah, are able to see him quite regularly. Mum goes to see him every day. Um, but I sometimes wondered about, you know, Ethan carrying the burden of maybe me one day not yeah. being so, yeah. so fit and able of having to deal that on the own because we can we can share our kind of worries about dad between the totally. three of us yeah. and, and the four of us with my mum as well. And I always think, I just, I want him to just have someone there for him as, as well as, as he grows older. And I just think he would be just the best brother. <laughs> so period. period. Although, he'd, he'd, although by the time it happened, he'd probably be on Lego, but I said, you have, <laughs> have to learn to share a bit more. Oh mate, that's a, that's a whole nother oh, yeah, conversation. Exactly. Okay. Well, we're excited about that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the best, um, the best piece of piece of advice for anybody listening that's going through potentially introducing a new partner to mm. their child, or you know has just become a step parent in some capacity, the best piece of advice for them. The best piece of advice uh, would be for the child is to be open and honest, to keep them part of the conversation without giving them the authority to decide, because that still has to remain yours. But just be open and honest and and don't be afraid to say things that maybe they'll find a bit weird like yeah. you know you know I'm I'm starting to to fall in love with this person and you might feel bad for saying that but actually it's good for them to know and to begin to understand what love is actually all about and for the the person coming into that situation for for you or for for someone like Dorina I would just say know this just know this you're not in there to replace you're in there to be you i love her for who she is i love everything she stands for she is unique in the same way Gemma was unique in the same way that everybody in this room is unique totally and utterly irreplaceable that's why grief is so hard because the person who's gone is a one-off that's why yeah. humanity is so amazing because mm. we are all one-offs there's no one else out there like the three of us there isn't there just isn't and once you realize that then you can go you don't need to be someone you're not you don't need to worry about trying to be the best cook ever you don't need to worry about filling someone's shoes fill your shoes you're already doing that and love me for you love me for who i am and forget about everybody else 
That is lovely. Oh, love this <laughs> chat. I don't yeah. want you to go. Oh, oh, sorry. Simon for PM. Um, Simon, <laughs> no, no, no. Thank you thank for you. being yeah. so open and honest. Nice and, pleasure. Um, I really, as we've said, just I'm kind of blown away by the way you handle, you've handled it all and the way you're bringing up your son. Just, oh, thank you. We're all behind you. We are. Thank you so much. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Wow, it's really hard um, to know what to say, really, because it was just such a powerful, impactful conversation. I I think he's so brave. I I, I can't believe how he's kind of come out the other side and met somebody again. And that amazing moment where he was talking about his son writing a Valentine's Day card to his new partner. I mean, that was just like, there wasn't a dry eye in the studio, was there? No, there really wasn't. I just think that also the way he's bringing up his son is uh, unbelievable, actually. Mm. And... It sounds like he's really, really done a great job in such Mm. a terrible situation, um, you know, to keep his son sort of grounded and happy as he can be and in touch Mm. with his emotions. Um, yeah, I mean, wow. When he was talking about them sort of staying in his bedroom for however long and that's sort of where they set up camp. (gasps) Oh, gosh. It just... You can just picture it. I think he really took us on a journey there, didn't he? Mm. Like you could just mm. picture everything they were going through, and um, it's, it's the worst thing that you could ever imagine happening. And it's, been, it's really oh. weird because the way that our brains are programmed. I mean, I don't know about you, G, but I'm always thinking, "Oh God, this is so perfect at home. Like, what's going to happen? Something bad's going to happen." Especially after I lost my dad, because the worst thing yeah. in my life at that time has happened to me. I'm all, I, all, I always go to like the bad stuff first, and I, I just. Yeah. No, we're so lucky. We're, we're, we've got such amazing families. We've got amazing kids. Like we've got this wonderful bubble that we live in, and that's what he had. And then it all came crumbling down. So it's like so brave of him to come out the other side and speak the way he does. Um, and yeah. actually, that'd be functioning day to day. I, I don't know. It's an awful thought. So it is. But I, I think you know what we can all take away from that is you know the things about counting down till your kids go back to school. A lot mm. of us right now are counting down the days until our kids go back to school. But mm. actually, we need to just live in these moments because yeah. stuff can you know your whole stuff world can, can be turned upside down in a second. And I know it's so easy to say that because when day to day when you're in it, it doesn't feel like that. Mm. But I guess you do sometimes just have to take a step back and put things into perspective and think, okay, you know, the house is chaos. We've had a terrible day for kids. They've been, but how lucky are we to be mm. with them, to all be together? Um, very wise, yeah. G. Very wise. <laughs> well, that is it uh, for us for today. We're obviously going to be back on Friday with one of our expert podcasts. Um, it's a really, really good one. I hope you're going to love it. Um, as always, we would love you to rate, review and subscribe to our podcast. And if you could please tell one mum mate about us um, and get her listening, that would really help us out. And then we can kind of just keep spreading the word. Yeah, please do tag us in your stories when you're listening um, to the podcast. We want to see you. We want to see you out running when you're listening or doing your cleaning or laying in the bath. No nudie bits, please, but um, laying in the bath and doing doing whatever you're doing. Can you imagine? Oh, that's what I would do. And you can drop us a, a message at Made by Mamas or my personal account, which is at Zoe Hardman. Thanks so much and see you Friday. See you on Friday. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We know times are very difficult right now. And if you want any more information about coronavirus, go to nhs.uk slash coronavirus. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.